Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac 12360, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your host, Sean X-Pac Waltman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360, ladies and gentlemen. Usually a little bit more high energy than this. I think everyone already knows why we're not today. At least why I'm not. So um, this is take three on trying to get this freaking show going. So uh, we're just, it doesn't matter if if this one sucks or not. We're just going to keep on rolling with it. So, uh, um, you know, there's plenty of things to talk about, but obviously the big one is the passing of the greatest. Probably the greatest wrestling personality of all time. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it at least right up there with any of them. Yeah. Bobby the Brain Heenan. Let's... Ugh. I don't know. Let's, do, like, let's, let's talk about Bobby like toward the end. Let's talk about what else is going on in, uh, in wrestling. And uh, obviously, um, as always, joining us on the couch is Jimbo. What's up, Sean? Jimbo, do you like to be called by your, by your government name at all? No, that's fine. No? Yeah. All right. Denise Salcedo. Hey, guys. Sitting right next to him. And then right here at the table. At the big kids' table. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the children's table. <laughs> I used to hate it when I had to eat at the kids' table. Really? Because I wanted to be in on all the conversation. <laughs> you know? So, anyways, joining us here at the at the, at the big kids' table, well, at the adult table, is uh, Bill Hanstock. Uh, Jimbo's government name is actually Jimbothocles. Yeah, it's Greek. <laughs> Jim Bones. Jim Bone. Jim Bone. I never, I never had a kids' table. I thought that was just something Neither that happened on television. No. Yeah. You didn't either. <laughs> TK Trinidad didn't have a kids' table. Yeah. She sat at. Sat. I was very nosy. All, all, TK, all, yeah, t- all TK's people are grown. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so what else is going on in the world in professional wrestling? So uh, Cyborg still has it out for Ronda Rousey, which is the most annoying thing. So uh, (laughs) it's it's just annoying to me. So the whole thing with Cyborg and Ronda Rousey, um, this fight would have been epic maybe three years ago. Or so. It would have been epic if Cyborg could have made weight even once ever. Right. She said she could have made weight, and uh-huh. Dana White was not mm-hmm. allowing her. And, you know, oh, I'm just saying. Yeah, sure. Anywho, long story short, Cyborg always thought that she can beat Ronda, and obviously that's been proven by other folks. So now Cyborg uh, sent out a tweet, and she's like, Well, I want to, you know, do wrestling. WWE, WrestleMania, her and Ronda Rousey. Which oh, is. Yeah. I just don't know. Like, I really give a shit. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I care about Ronda Rousey still. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I I mean, regardless of the things she's been through or the fight she's lost or the, you know, whatever, you know. Right. She still has Ronda. She's still Ronda F and Rousey. Yeah. And it's just the the thing with, I don't know what Cyborg's angle was with this this thing. I think it's smart of, of, of of Chris Cyborg. To just continue bringing her Absolutely. name. Absolutely, why not? But it keeps her in the news. We're talking about it right now. Right, but don't you think as every profession, so as a wrestler, yeah. the fact that she's like, well, you know, since Ronda's not doing UFC, she she might be doing WWE. Now she has the, for Chris Sideboard, I feel she has the audacity to think that she can just hop in a wrestling ring and then make it entertaining for folks. Like, that to me is kind of insulting. Well, let's see what she's got. Let's see her fall flat on her face. Mm. You know, I mean, I pretty much every MMA person I've ever known that's tried professional wrestling said it's extremely difficult, more difficult than what they do. Yeah, I mean, not in a, in a different way, mm-hmm. in a different way. So also, like Cyborg spent the past like five or six years calling people out and not in MMA. Yeah, now she's moved into calling people out in pro wrestling. Like she tried to start an angle with Becky Lynch. Now she's trying to start an angle with Ronda Rousey again, but in wrestling this time, like. 
I don't know. Yeah. She's don't. trying to, you know, she's trying to drum up business, but, yeah. you know. She's trying to get on TV. What yeah. I think it's weird is that also Rhonda's coach was saying, like, oh, yeah, he would like to see her face Chris Cyborg. But it's like so many people, obviously, some people blame him for his down for Rhonda's downfall. So it's really interesting to see, like, why would you want that as her coach? I mean, many people can argue that Chris Cyborg would literally kill Rhonda. So it's pretty interesting to see this conversation brought upon and I do think that it's actually just Chris Cyborg trying to get her name out there trying to get people to talk to her and, sure. and it's working it really is yeah but I mean it's not gonna there's not gonna be any WWE Wrestlemania yeah, anything like yeah. that it's just not I I just don't think anybody gives a shit yeah. like you were saying like three years ago when, yeah. when yeah. she was hot in Strike Force and she was hot in UFC and people wanted to see this fight then it might have been something yeah. that people are going to pay to see, but right now they're like, "Who are you?" It's yeah. not like it's not like the potential of a John Jones versus Brock Lesnar at, at WrestleMania. It's oh, yeah. not even in the same <laughs> league. So, like, you know. Also, WWE is not going to like it because neither of them are WWE people. Like, if they're going to do a w, if they're going to do a Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania, it's going to be a, against someone from WWE. Mm-hmm. They're sure. not going to give two MMA outside of MMA course people not. a showcase to fight. And of then since not. Ronda's left, the they don't really the women's um, MMA fighting hasn't been as like as big of a spectacle. Like nobody's really looking forward to, which is unfortunate. But nobody's really looking. When Ronda Rousey was fighting, it was like a big pay per view event. That's right. And now everybody's just like, eh. You know. And so when maybe, she fights again, which I think she will probably eventually. Know. Oh, eventually. In MMA or yeah, in MMA. I bet. Okay. I bet you she will. All right. Eventually, before it's all said and done, it's gonna she's, it's gonna be a really big deal again. Watch. Hmm. I mean, it's probably going to be a few years down the road, but... I don't know. I, it just feels like her... I've heard everyone say, I don't yeah. know about everyone, and they all come back and do it again. Well, everyone. It, it feels like... Not that she's... She's definitely not washed up, so it's not on her skill. It just seems like mentally, it's just like she's she's been there and done that, and she's ready to move on to something that else. things change. Okay. Well, make sure you write that down, Jimbo. Ronda Rousey, yeah. come back. She will. I would love to see that. If Cyborg is in the prime in a UFC octagon, that would be amazing. And if Ronda comes back, or if Ronda comes back and beats Chris Cyborg, that would be epic. Epic. I mean, yeah. Cyborg's a lot bigger than she is. Yeah. Bigger. They made then UFC made a new weight class so that Cyborg can come in and have a belt. Isn't that like one forty five? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. And Ronnie's like 135. Next. <laughs> so, <laughs> Ric Flair is stallion profiling again. He's back. He made an appearance uh, out out and about. So, um, the whole thing is, uh, there was pictures. That surfaced a couple of days ago. Um, he was at a military uh, convention where one of his, his wife's sons was like a cadet. So, he kind of um, made that appearance with that. And then also, Charlotte Flair came up on WWE and they have a book coming up and she was thanking everybody about yeah. supporting everything which is a great thing given everything else that happened earlier this week. So. What's the, the the book is called Second Coming? Is that what it's called or something like that? Second Nature. Second Nature. I'm sorry. Second Coming. <laughs> and uh, Flair also announced today that he's giving up drinking for good. Yeah. Okay. And and I think and I'm sure he means it. I, I, I hope he... Uh, you it's know, just tough because he's able to hang in there with that. Because well, man, like you can vouch for the fact yes. that everywhere Ric Flair goes, everyone wants to buy him a drink. That's right, right? or it's have just, him it's, buy them a drink. It's a part of the nature boy, you know, whole lavish image, lifestyle. Everything, you know, it would be like akin to uh, Stone Cold not drinking a beer. Uh, not quite, but you know, it's not quite. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I. I, I well, she Rick really talked about all that because, like, we're talking about real life here. And well, Ric Flair has been synonymous with partying yeah. longer than R- Steve Austin's even been a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, partying, like, you know, he's been talking about staying up all night drinking as long as he's sure. been Ric Flair. So, the thing is, is okay, um, yeah, you have to, or you're, or you're not going to live. Right. Bottom line, that's so like okay. Um, uh, I'm just happy that that Rick up and Adam and you know, uh, like, really was on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I like the awareness. All this that he's talk like, is amazing that we're even talking exactly. about this shit. 
And all I think what I like too is the awareness that he's bringing to it because he even said in, in one of the interview that he recently did that he didn't realize that he was an alcoholic and he didn't see it like that. And then now he's saying like, I never want to touch that. Like that's not something that I want in my life that isn't pretty. And even though like, you know, it just raises awareness for other people with similar issues that don't see themselves in that same light. So right. I think to see someone like Ric Flair you know, say something like that, it could be eye-opening. It is, it, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, the thing is, is, you know, I heard, and, and like you were just talking about Rick, he never really looked at himself as having like a... A problem. Right, well, because alcohol, some people, ridiculously enough, still think of alcohol as separate from drugs when it is the hardest of them all. Mm -hmm. Like, really, over a long haul. Like studies, medical studies have proven that over the long haul, even like worse than than heroin. Like if you live through heroin use, like ten years and <clears throat> excuse me, and and uh, match up somewhat ten years of alcohol use, it's the alcohol is worse. Yeah, it's worse. And and just we've in this country we've gotten in, in society this idea that it's not a drug. Bullshit. Well, people you know? don't see it that way because they're like, oh, I'm a social drinker. So that's probably like why yeah, people but don't when realize you socialize it. Yeah. 24 hours, seven <laughs> exactly. days a week. That's a lot of yeah. drinking. So yeah. has he, has he, is he going into a program or you just said he stopped, stopped diving or either know. way? Yeah, that will be he a, said he's never going to take another drink. Yeah, but there's, here's the thing is like, okay, you have to change other things in your life besides just not taking a drink. Sure. You have to work on things in your head that, that, that the things that, Make you want to keep mm -hmm. drinking and getting messed up and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot more to it than that, and and uh, and I just really, really, uh, I'm really uh, just like everybody else, man. I'm rooting for him. Well, it's a huge deal he, for he someone at his age yeah. and his health, but uh, withdrawals from alcohol are really bad. Yeah, but the, he's way be like that's he's a he's a. He's already, I guarantee you, been off of alcohol for way long enough to where there's no withdrawal issues. Yeah, because they wouldn't be having him on the medication. He's no, on and uh, and there's there they um, when somebody uh, detoxes from alcohol, a lot of times they do it uh, they do it with medication, and they'll use like a benzodiazepine, like like Librium or or something like that, mm -hmm. um, which. That, that medication mimics the effects of alcohol in your body, so you won't have any withdrawals. Uh, and, you know, alcohol withdrawals, along with benzo withdrawals, are, are, are deadly. Deadly. You will, you will die from alcohol withdrawals. So much. Especially yeah. at his age. Yeah. Oh, it's so much to deal with. So We're yeah. hoping for you, Nature yeah. Boy. Love you. Love you, Nate. Alex Riley sets the record straight for us. Um, so, did you get to see the promo that uh, Roman Reigns cut this this past week on on Raw or no? No, not really. So, obviously, him and John Cena have been going back and forth. Uh, this week uh, is just Roman Reigns by himself, and he made mention of the fact that um, Alex Riley he, he made mention of the fact that John Cena wasn't there that week or this week, and then he just said that Alex Riley is no longer in the WWE essentially because of John Cena. So that's kind of yeah. what, he, what he was hinting at. So John, um, Alex Riley was a guest on our show probably about a month or two ago, a couple months ago. So he kind of made a comment about that, and his comment was pretty much short and sweet. He said, "You're starting to see," and that was it. So the question is now, what does it's kind of felt like felt like um like we're digging in between the lines of the promo, the rumors we hear, and now this tweet from um, Alex Riley. I just don't understand wh wh how that was productive bringing that up unless they're bringing Alex Riley back to feud with John Cena or something. Yeah, that's, that's all. That's all I'm wondering. It just th this whole feud has been peppered with dumb little insider tidbits that don't add anything to the. They're just there to like. Pop the smart fans. Yeah, get like, fans to be like, ooh, this is serious. And it's, and it's so, like, this useless. Is real. Like, you know, like, like, no matter what they say to each other, like, like, there are certain things that Roman and Cena say to each other that make me buy it, that they're, that they really don't like each other. Mm -hmm. Them dropping little nuggets of, like, dirt cheap info is not 
the stuff that makes me buy that they don't like each other. I right. almost feel like every week it's like, okay, who can hit the belt lower and lower and lower to see like what they, what people come up? And I do yeah. agree with you. I don't know why they would name drop him if they're not planning on bringing him because then it just doesn't make sense because then you can just pretty much talk about anything that John Cena may or may have not done mm-hmm. in order to bring light to their to to Roman Reigns and John Cena feuding together. And I do th- I, what I like about uh, his tweet that was that you're starting to see is that he actually used just the letter C. Mm-hmm. So you are reading in between the lines and you're thinking like, okay, are we starting to see are I feel like what I took from this is that he's saying you guys are starting to see who John Cena really is because we all know him as this guy who's you know caring does all this amazing stuff which mm-hmm. he does but then there's this other people that are saying no this is who he really is which I think is a little crazy I don't know if maybe more people will jump on that well, wagon I don't know though. maybe they're maybe this is just their way of uh, slowly turning John Cena heel so, so here's my question. I don't know. I just threw that out there. I just pulled it, out, I just pulled it out of my ass. It wasn't well, like... like uh, I don't know if it was Triple H or John Cena. I think it was Triple H that said, like, oh, John Cena's been healed for the past, like, six years or whatever. Like, he, the crowds react to people how they react to people. Yeah. And they've been treating John Cena like a heel for a long time. So They have, but here's, like... But he hasn't had that... Uh, Technically, he hasn't sure. had that heel turn. Gone to the dark side. And all of these people are just like, it, it, it's not right if he doesn't have a, a, a right. you know, a legitimate, what do you call it, official turn. I just, I could give a shit less about official yeah, heel babyface turns. I don't think they're ever going to officially turn him heel. But I think that, like, it's, it's interesting that he's, you know, this is happening now at No Mercy, this match. And he had his first match with Braun Strowman, and he had another first match. He had that first match with Shinsuke Nakamura, and it seems kind of weird that they're like running through all these first matches so fast when it's like they could build each one of these. It's kind of kind of feels like a John Cena farewell tour. Maybe. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, he, I mean, he is busy, you know, doing all the stuff that he's doing in Hollywood. But, but the whole talk about like him turning heel, I feel like <clears> if <throat> anything, the you know fans are liking John Cena a lot more because there's this like running joke. I don't know if you guys heard it that said it took a Roman Reigns to make everybody else appreciate John Cena, which I thought was really funny that that people <laughs> you know are joking yeah. about that. But it, it, it's true for some people, you know. So I mean, yeah. When they when they cut a promo, do they give you? They, I'm assuming they don't give you the exact lines, but you know, I'm not there. But do they do they tell you the high or do they do they give you the exact lines? Because it feels like one, you know, some people do it better than others. But you know, you're still there without a a script. Is there a teleprompter somewhere that we don't see? Like, I apparently some guys write it on their hands once in a while, right? Yeah. Who did that? Was it Cena? The Rock. Oh, The Rock did yeah. it. Oh, and Cena called Cena him out, called on, him right? out on it. In the promo, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, every you know, different guy. It's different for different people. You know, they'll come and hand you uh, a piece of paper with a bunch of dialogue on it, mm-hmm. and pretty much want you to stick to it. Okay. Depending on who you are, you can go. No, this sucks. Because I'm wondering if the, like you can kind of stick through it, but also maybe go off the script in where you I, would you add like, a sentence like look, that. Look, when you're a li- when you're live on television, you mm-hmm. can do whatever the f you want. Like it's when you get back through the curtain, you got to deal with the consequences. So you're the boss when you're out there. Mm-hmm. Is you might, you know. So do you think there were consequences for him even bringing up Alex Riley? No. They're no, just like, no, why would you say that? Wasn't something I that was scripted, like, yeah. Yeah. very clear. Like, there's nothing that Roman Reigns ever says that's off script. Like, you can tell. Ooh, really. yeah. shade there. <laughs> He's, uh, Roman Reigns is amazing. I, just, I agree but, with you, yeah, but it's yeah. just very. Alex Riley was episode 46 for our listeners that yeah. want to go back and check it out. Yeah. Really All right. Interview. Um, so, hey, did, don't we have that one, two, three in between news stories anymore? We got it on the board. Oh, okay. We just hardly ever use it, oh, or we oh. haven't used it. So I don't know if Phil knew that we were going to queue it. Do you oh. want to queue it? Well, I kind of like that in between. Okay. All right. Ready? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so did Ginger? Oh, there we go. Thanks, Phil. I've never heard that drop before, so that's yeah, fun. Oh, so it's been a while. Yeah. Okay. Um, did Ginger Mahal go too far on SmackDown? So I think this is like last. This is week, the second week. This is the he's second done week this. he's done it. Um, I don't think so, but a lot of there are a lot of tweets and a lot of people. Even the audience was saying uh, that you got you went too far. So what do you? What does everybody? I mean, I just should we? Like, I don't know. Maybe we should ask some Japanese folks. Yeah, I think. 
I think they're it, offended. I, well, go ahead, Denise. Oh, I think it depends on the way that the context was said. I mean, granted, I know, TK, you mentioned earlier that, you know, people, the, the way that gender is going about things in terms of, like, oh, like, this is, there's a lot of racism going on in the story, in gender's character overall, so mm-hmm. him doing it to somebody else could be like, oh, well, they're doing it to him sort of thing. But I think it just depends on how you take it and how it was said and all of that stuff. Is it appropriate to do it in this time and age? Probably not. I don't know. I I feel like there's just a at the end of the day there's just one hard and fast rule which is unfortunate like he's if he was a white guy doing it then there'd be a That's bigger right. issue. Yeah. That's right. But the fact that, you know, Jinder Mahal is using those stereotypes it to me didn't feel as as bad. If you go to a comedy show and you see a Latino talking about uh, African American, but he's well versed in that community, then I'm like, "Ah, I get it. It's funny." But it's somebody who's not, then that's where I take it. I think maybe they might have, maybe some people might have an issue with it because even though Jinder said it, it wasn't him that wrote it. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I think it's probably Caucasian person right. probably wrote that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know if I'm that's aware just of any guess. people of color on the writing stuff. Oh but, no, they do. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. Um, they have actually, I think some Indian uh, people uh, awesome. like of Indian. Uh, I think background. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they put like the subtitles when he does talk <laughs> in another language. I kind of really want that was funny when they were like, "That's too much," or like, "That's too far." And he's like, "If you think that's too far, wait till you hear what <laughs> I say talking. in like Farsi." Yeah, yeah. I wish but, they would put Punjabi. that. I think it's. I think it's what he's doing. I think what what they're doing with him with this thing with Shinsuke is really interesting, but like it's a really interesting thing that we've never really seen before in no. pro wrestling of like. Here's, you know, like, he says all these racist things, and then he turns around and says, this is what you're going to hear if you were to become champion, because that's what I hear from people. Like, that's super, like, interesting and, mm-hmm. like, groundbreaking, and, like, we've never heard anything like that. But at the same time, it's like, the benefit of the doubt is perhaps a little bit lacking on, like, whether they're intending for this to be as progressive as it is. Exactly. Yeah. And does he really hear it from... Of course he does, yeah. But, but to that extent, though? Well, I mean, they're I saying mean, different things about him. Yeah, but a few things here and there. Like, you know, we're, we're all in the social media age, so we might get some hate here and there. But on a, on a whole, does he does like a lot of racist comments coming at, at him all the time? Are you talking about gender? Or yeah, gender. I'm, yeah. I'm sure he gets yeah. a fair share. I didn't see stuff. that much backlash over this, honestly. I, I, right. I did. Right, right, right. I did. Enough for me to go back and watch it and, and, and find it. Uh, because I didn't see it uh, when it when it aired last night. I feel if anything, there was probably more backlash to a few weeks ago on SmackDown when they had uh, when uh, Jinder brought like the woman that was like they had the whole Indian celebration. You guys remember mm-hmm. where they were like singing and the crowd was booing, and that one people were like, "Wow, that made Americans look so bad." They even showed oh, they children. Booed the old lady yeah, they, she was exactly. The national anthem. Yeah. yeah, that was like if anything. I thought there was more backlash for that one because even I, when I was watching, I was like, "Oh man, we're not looking too good here." Yeah. You know. But this goes back to what we were saying earlier the like oh it's wrestling so it's okay like we've become like accustomed to when a foreigner comes out to sing their national anthem you boo because Nikolai Volkov did that and we all used to boo him and Mm -hmm. that's the thing so now that it's just another foreigner singing another national anthem we're like no we're supposed to boo right here right he's the bad guy we're supposed to boo see Jimbo you were talking you're 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 referring to a conversation we had off air uh for those that uh want to know what Jimbo's talking about when we were talking about it's just wrestling there's always been this this excuse when something controversial or or effed up happens in wrestling, and it's always excused by it's just wrestling, and that's bullshit. Like wrestling is part of the mainstream culture now, and and it's part of uh, you know it has to obey the same laws as as everyone else. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have it, and and for. Uh, a lot of the history of our industry, we've like, you know, you know, just like well, F you to anybody that, you know, right. tried to tell us we had to follow laws or this or that. We're outlaws. We're pirates. But this is 2017. And now we, you know, that it's just wrestling is bullshit. It's fucking bullshit. On the flip side, could you also say that with like the, the comedy, the, the comedian industry? Because you have people who are now, they can't say you have some comedians that are feeling pressure that they can't say, you know, what's in their act, even yeah. though this has happened in society. Yeah. And then it's almost like, where is 
uh, the safe zone in order to say these things. Now everybody's just saying it, you know, behind, behind closed doors, and now those stereotypes are getting bigger because you don't know whether those stereotypes are true. I think it's a little different when you go into a comedy show uh, or you're going to a professional wrestling event that's mm-hmm. that's that's meant to uh, uh, WWE. Sorry, not professional. A WWE event mm-hmm. that's. The WWE universe is a really big tent. It's got children. It's got you know everyone from. It's got conservatives, liberals, everything is all mixed up in there. Right. So it's just a little different. You got to worry about you know offending people. You really do in WWE. And that's that why you I don't found, have to worry about in other things. That's why I found interesting because even the thing uh, with Roman Reigns and um, John Cena, yeah. they said bitch and they said you know, That's shit. different. It's different but there's still kids there. So it's not I, I know it's two different things yeah. but then that's kind of made me think as well. It's like yeah, who no. are we? I don't even, I just, that's so like, it's, to me that's not even apples and oranges because one's fruit and one one isn't, you mm-hmm. know? Um, it's apples and meat. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah, because shit, that's just a word, like, you know, shit. It comes with the territory. Yeah, you know, and kids here, like, but, you know, I'm pretty sure parents would rather their kids be exposed to the word shit than, or bitch, than uh, than to, you know, bigotry, or, you know, things of, things of that nature. So do you think it was just the writer who made the call and Jenner is just following protocol and this is what we have and... I don't know. I don't know. I, you know, because Jinder said he was the, uh, you know, he mentioned that uh, that he had final say on things, creative control over that aspect. Remember that? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess, you know, I was okay with Jinder. Anyway. Okay. Well, leads us to <laughs> leads us to No Mercy, which is happening on Sunday in Los Angeles at the Staples Center. Will yeah. you Will you be going? Yeah, unless I get heat for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) So is there there anything that you're looking forward to? Any matches you're looking forward to? Or anybody else? Everyone's looking forward to Braun Strowman and and, uh, Brock. Mm -hmm. That's a huge matchup. That's a bigger matchup than No Mercy, if you ask me. Like, to me, that's a main event for, like, a SummerSlam or Royal something like that. To me. No, but that's, that's just me, you know? It feels like this could easily be next year's WrestleMania match. Yes, yeah. Because people love Braun so much right now. They could have kept them apart for another six months and just kept people getting more and more eager to see this match. Yeah, yeah. I think the card itself is okay. It's nothing, like, really, like, major. But the whole Brock Braun, that's what's making No Mercy, like, really, like, oh, I'm excited to watch it. I'm going to go and I'm going to see it because mm-hmm. we're both... We're all waiting for that, like, really, like, awesome moment between these two guys because we've been seeing so many awesome stuff that's been going on. They've been they've been building it up so well on Raw that I'm just so excited to see this. And, you know, thank God it's happening here in L.A. I'm being biased on that. So, but what's the, what's the supporting, what's the undercard? Cena and Roman. Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt, uh, Alexis Bliss, Sasha Banks, uh, Nia Jax, uh, Emma, and Bailey. Bailey. See, those are all strong matches that I would argue, like, it's not a eh, card, it's just the build-up for it's mm-hmm. been kind of, eh. I think the build-up's been really good for the really? two the two top matches, yeah, I think people are yeah, actually but, really like, excited about But what about, stuff. like, the, the Bray Wyatt Finn stuff? Oh, well, that, man. What the fuck? Yes. Sorry, I, hey, guys in the booth, I, today's just it's one two. of those days. Yeah. <laughs> it's an F-bomb day, sorry. It's fine. Uh, Neville sure. Enzo. <laughs> Jason Jordan and The, the Miz. Miz. Which, I don't know, what do you feel about this Jason Jordan? I, is it is this the story that it's supposed to take? Because it just feels like favoritism. I know it's probably played Nepotism. out. Nepotism. Yeah, it just it, it feels like, oh, well, he's there, and now let me give him another chance what other people kind of deserved another chance at. I the, think they're going, like, I think there's they have a destination they're aiming towards. Like a, I think they have, I have my ideas of where, where they're going with it. I mean, do you guys, do you? Bill, you guys? Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, the seeds are all planted for a Jason Jordan heel turn eventually. Exactly. That's uh, what I was thinking. But whether yeah. or not we'll actually get Against it. Against his father? Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be good. Because, you know, eventually, like, they could they could line it up and eventually Miz could be proven right about everything he's been saying about Kurt Angle and... Mm-hmm. That'll make Jason Jordan turn. Could you get Jason Jordan as part of the Miz Tourage, maybe? <laughs> Jason Jordan some flashy suits? No, please One don't do that. That'd be hilarious. Uh, and then your good friend, uh, Enzo and Neville, they're going to be... 
Dang. <laughs> <laughs> you said it like it's an epithet. I like, yeah. I like Enzo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Enzo and Neville for the Cruiserweight title. Yeah. I don't think, I think, I think it'll, No, but I think it'll be better than people think because those guys are tight. Yeah. I think Nemo might be one of the only guys that likes Enzo right now. Oh, <laughs> so it, I don't know if you can answer this. So is this true? Pretty much everybody in the locker room is just not a fan. I I I couldn't. I could only me saying that would be only uh, commenting on secondhand stuff that you guys. I mean, you guys are pri- just as privy as I am to any of that info. I haven't asked. Okay. I haven't called anybody and said, "Hey, what's up with Enzo?" Like, I just have other things going on. <laughs> so where do, you, do you think they have a storyline for him, or do you think they're just throwing stuff at the wall and it's just like, ah, he's... It's, uh, it's kind of storyline-ish, okay. isn't it, Bill? It's, what do you think? It's storyline-ish in the sense that they're telling a story about how it's <laughs> <laughs> worthless, basically. Like, he, he, gets, he gets to look strong on 205 Live, which is weird and sort of counterproductive because everyone beats the crap out of him on the main roster, so how do, what does that say about your 205 Live guys? That he's I did hear he was like pulling guys aside and trying to tell them how to do their deal. <laughs> Cruiserweight oh. wrestling. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. yeah I got, some, That's I got some pretty good stories about that anyways. It's kind of funny. That's always wonderful. Telling then, guys how to get over and how to work better. Enzo was... Yeah. Uh, but you know what? Honestly, <laughs> honestly in, in, in Enzo, like there are certain things that Enzo really might be able to help some of those guys out with. Like, all joking and bullshitting aside. And, yeah, it, I could see how somebody might, like, you know, roll their eyes at him. But, like, there are certain things that Enzo's way yeah. better than any of those guys Definitely. at. Yeah. And even if someone's giving you criticism, you don't have to take everything, like, to heart, word for word. Right. But there might be one thing out of the ten things they say that sticks with you, and then you take that and incorporate that yeah. in your matches or whatnot. So, anyway. So what does everybody think about uh, John Cena and Roman Reigns? He's excited about it, want it to be over. I'm mildly interested. I think it yeah. could go, one, uh, like, obviously one of two ways. It could be, like, really good, and it's finally, like, oh, like, all of their controversial segments that they've been having finally clashing. Or it could just be, like, a whatever sort of thing. So it could go either way for this one. Oh, it's going to be a good match. It's going to be a good match because they're both excellent performers. I think I've been... Another level if one of them had a belt. Hmm. I don't uh, think that they need one. Like I think that John Cena and Roman Reigns for the first time is a big enough deal. Again, that's another thing that they could have held off until WrestleMania. Yeah. But they wanna they wanna do it to to you know counter program to NFL or show that they're well, a big deal year round. Or... Maybe these are the seeds to plant for WrestleMania. Sure. You know? Yeah. But I think this match is gonna be awesome. Like both of these guys are great. Great. Yeah. 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 And Roman Reigns always delivers in big matches. John so Cena, does John. John Cena always delivers in yep. big matches. So I'm curious to but see how the crowd's going to react. It's going to be great. It's like, going to be awesome. Two the people that, gonna be especially in LA, where we're like the smart fans yeah. that like to boo boo the good guys, I, I, you and cheer know the what? bad guys, Here's kind the of thing. thing. I the last time I when I was at the house, the last house show they had at uh, at the Staples Center mm-hmm. was that Anaheim. What was that? I think it was Staples. Either way, the it's the same in, in market. East, East yeah, it was like Roman versus uh, Kevin, Kevin Owens. Owen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Roman was over huge with the people here in LA at that in that building that night. So, is there certain audiences? So, I noticed when I went to uh, Raw and SmackDown in Toronto, the Canadian, well, the Toronto audience is totally different from the one in Staples versus even the one in Brooklyn. Yeah, is there oh, certain yeah. audiences that? Um, you're fans of, or you got over, or do you remember the most? Or they're just uh, you, you. You know, you have to know your. When you've been going to these these towns long enough, over and over again, you kind of know how. If you're if you pay attention, you kind of know how they're going to react to certain things. I don't know. It just yeah, it's it's just going to be like that. You yeah, know, LA is going to be different. Going to be different than. New York or yeah, Toronto. Yeah, it blew my mind. The Toronto was like, Toronto kind of was... Yeah, each crowd is going to have their own thing. It's kind of like the WrestleMania crowd. You know that they're going to be different from, you know, year-round and stuff like that. So. All right. So, um, WWE might be bringing back a network special in November, and that is going to be a Starcade. Anybody excited? Oh, it's coming back, right? Yeah. They said uh, it's going to be right, coming back in November. It's a house show. It's a live event. 
it's a live event that they're gonna it's on a Saturday. They're yeah. gonna tape for. I don't know. It's not as of right now. It's not a uh, special. It's not a oh, okay. special. November twenty fifth, I believe. Is that Isn't it like Thanksgiving? Well, that's when that tr- traditionally, um, traditionally Star yeah. from the start was a Thanksgiving yeah. Day show. So I went to the. Actually, it wasn't the first one. Uh, I was, I, and even the second one when I went to it, it was on uh, closed circuit television, and I dro- I went to Orlando from St. Petersburg, Florida, to the Eddie Graham Sports Stadium, which is no longer in existence, and watched. Uh, Starcade was at eighty four, right? Oh wow! That not eighty three. I watched the second one. Yeah, Starcade so, eighty four was the second one. Yeah, but anyway, there's like some scuttlebutt uh, surrounding this with tweets and whatnot, right? Yeah. yeah. Also, there's a there's speculation that the reason that they're calling it Starcade is because there's like an old timers convention like across town on the same day. Like, what? oh, is that really? What, is that is that that is that this is uh, Wrestlecade? Wrestlecade, yeah. Oh no! I asked, didn't know that. They asked was... Lawler about the possibility that that's why they did it on Lawler's latest podcast, yeah. and Lawler was like, "Maybe, maybe, yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah." I didn't even think of that because I don't go do that, right? Because that guy doesn't like my agent, and so I'm like, "Well, you got to deal with my agent. You want me to come?" Yeah. So, sorry. Like in a way to. Oh well, you fans at Wrestlecade obviously miss old wrestling, so come to Starcade. Or is it a way of like, oh, uh, we'll show them, we'll draw way bigger than them because we're going to run opposite them. Does that make sense? Like, which one of those two? It so, seems like, like it could on be on the a, borderline. It, it honestly, like, it seems like it could be a kind of predatory decision, in my in my opinion. But I, you know, whatever. They they do a lot of there's they there's a lot of like times that. where there's some mean spirited stuff yeah. going. On. Either way, I would hope to see more stuff that WWE brings back from WCW. Like, I would like to see them bring back Halloween Havoc, because, I mean, that's just a killer name right there, I think first of all. Talked about that recently. They don't have the rights to it. Oh, I thought they uh, did, though, that that was trademarked for them. Cody's, Cody's talked many times about how, um, I think, isn't it, is it Paul's been pushing for war games, like, again and again? Oh, yeah. yeah. Been yeah Vince doesn't like so the idea awesome. with the two ranks. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, uh, and Cody said that they came close to doing a war games at one point, uh, and then it got pulled. Really, with two rings? Yeah. Huh. Because I, I, it really wouldn't be war games like you know, like I remember it. But right. you could still do the same concept with one just cage. one cage. Well, that's basically what elimination chamber yeah. is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Why I, doesn't Vince like the two rings in the one cage? Because it looks bad. It screws everything up. Vid- visually, it's awful. Sorry, I always thought that sucked. It's weird to look at, like, to be at a. Show and like look and see yeah. two rings. So, so if you're on this side of the, if you're on this side of the building, like every match, every other match is they switch rings for the match. So like it just sucks, Jimbo. Oh, it, they switch rings every yeah. match. Oh. Yeah. Well, at least there's that. Yeah, but every other match you're looking at, you know, it's just stupid. You're like, which match is my That's section going to see? <laughs> yeah, that part I just. And they, you know, it's something they did traditionally, even like uh, like in championship wrestling from Florida when I was a kid, they would have like U.S. Open Battle Royal, and they would have two rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in WCW, uh, they tripled down on it and went with three rings for the World, World, World War Three Battle Royal. That was yeah. that was a cluster. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the the, the the visual presentation of World War Three is so horrible and so awful to watch with the three yeah. screens and it's just yeah. there's n- nothing happening. Because here's the thing: when somebody like it, all, all that stuff, uh, those concepts are all almost always come come up with by people that don't know, don't have the actual in ring experience. Uh, because anybody that that knows what's up in the ring knows, like you don't split the people's attention no. during a wrestling match. Mm-hmm. You don't have shit going on over here and shit going on over here at the same time. It, it's just... Because, so, you know, like, what happens when something good happens over here? You know? And you miss it. It's just... Ugh. That's why sometimes you'll see, like, when... If if you're not paying attention to the action that's going on, you look over, you'll see like guys outside the ring sometimes that are supposed to be selling, and they're just sitting there waiting. It's because they know nobody's looking at them because everyone's looking at what's going on, you know, the main thing that's going on. So um, guys should probably do a little bit better job of selling, but you know, 
true. You know. Anyways, that's what. That's why. Yeah, what, what if they did? Well, what if they? Would it still? I mean, I, I know it'd still be like visually unappealing, but like, what if they did a thing where they did war games, but for all the non-war games matches, they did matches where it's like both rings are legal, where you know guys are going to be using both rings. Yeah. That'd be cool for the two hundred five live guys. They'd be jumping all they'd over. Like it. And like this one time, they had the lethal lockdown and uh, TNA. TNA, and then somebody was just joking to Dixie. Oh yeah, how about we have? How about every match be inside the six sides of steel? Oh, that's a great idea. Next thing you know, every freaking match. They did a hell in a cell like that too, right? The one of the hell in hell in a cell. Where you had to climb out the top. No, no, it wasn't one of the hell in a cell. Pay-per-views, all of the matches were inside Hell in a Cell. I think they might have been. I think they did that one one year. Bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, the ultimate escape, though. Oh, that, yeah, that was the, the worst. That was such a bad... Homicide's like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to climb out of this. <laughs> I just went to... Like, when I did that same stupid match in Triple uh, A, I just... I didn't climb up through the top. Yeah. I climbed out just to whatever one I could get through. Uh. And they were like, no, you didn't climb through the top. I'm like, F... You, I'm done. I'm out. I'm out of this match, and I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Watching those guys try and like get like upside yes. down and get out, like that's horrifying. Or like they're push trying to push Super Porky up through the freaking. <laughs> you couldn't even get through the guy through the goddamn hole. Yeah. That was like the biggest the pop poo- of the match, actually getting Super Porky through the hole. Amazing! Wow, that's so good. Jesus. Oh, goodness. Oh, we're laughing now. Go something a little somber. I'll um, fix that. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most iconic personalities in wrestling history has passed away. Uh, we talked about it in the beginning, but the Bobby the Brain Heenan has passed away at 73. So do you have any like memories that you can share with I us? think everybody has memories of Bobby the Brain. Were you really close with him? Not really close, but like he, he was really good to me, and, and he was a fan of mine, and uh, he made sure I knew it. Uh, all the time, which was really cool. Because he was he was there on commentary when you started. Yeah. With WWF. When I beat when I when the one when the the kid <laughs> beat Razor Ramon, it was uh, it was Vince, Randy Savage, and, and Bobby the Brain on commentary. Wow. wow. And that's what set that's what knocked it you know out of the park was their reaction to all that. Yeah. 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 It was awesome. Um, you know, Bobby's timing, comedic timing was was amazing. Uh, you, you guys like have anything that sticks out like particular from, moments? Yeah, from Bobby. Yeah, uh, him commentating on the Royal Rumble and Piper's about to throw one of his guys out, and he's like, "Oh, don't, don't do it. He's good. He's good. It's a kilt. I swear it's a kilt." And then he throws him out. And he's like, "It's a skirt. That man's wearing a skirt." Just yeah. like instantly changes his persona of like, "No, I really like you. Be good to my man. No, I hate you, man. That's my guy." Did you ever so see good. that meme of where he, like he goes to he's like doing something with uh, Mean Gene and he goes to shake his hand and Mean and Mean Gene goes to shake his hand and he goes like this and scratches his head and and then he goes and shake his hand again and Gene goes for it again and he like that's something else it was just you gotta see it it's funny I guess you had to be there I love the uh, I love him trying to escape the NWO by climbing over the oh yeah getting his feet caught yes. in the wires yeah yeah. yeah yeah I was out there for that actually that yeah <laughs> that's awesome and uh, and uh, when when he was trying to sneak back in the Manhattan Center during Monday Night Raw is dressed in drag yeah. and then dressed as uh, the as rabbi like a Hasidic Jew yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah all just classic well, stuff man well when 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 because when, when you started he had transitioned out of being a manager and he was yes. just just an announcer. Did he still, was he still a guy that would impart wisdom backstage and people would sit under his learning tree? I, I'm sure, but it wasn't, I just wasn't around him long enough in WWF. In WCW was he, or was he It just, was just a different environment yeah. then, though, you know. Um, it was just, you know, in WCW, like, guys were just kind of hanging around the guys they knew, and, you know, so everyone Bobby knew didn't really need to be under the learning tree anymore. <laughs> Did so. him and Lee Marshall really get along, or was that... I don't know. Okay. Why? Because... I don't know. Like, I heard that there was... Every week, some, every week he would call with him in. and Tony every, Schiavone. Well, every, every week, Lee Marshall would call in to yeah. do the road report, and he'd always insult Heenan, and Heenan always sold it like he hated Lee Marshall's guts. <laughs> so, it's... it. I mean, like, I'm sure it I'm was sure just him being a master worker, time. but yeah. it just... It would be... It would be sad and also funny to know yeah. that they had, like, real heat in real life. Uh, my 
the only match I ever had with Kurt, I had a singles match with Kurt Henning. And uh, it was in St. Petersburg, Florida, at a promotion called IPW. St. Pete's my hometown, by the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bobby was the man, was the guest ring announcer for the match. And oh, it was wow. after he had already been diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was like, that was one of the last times I, I saw Bobby where he could actually talk. Yeah. You know, after that, it was, you know, he was, I, the, the next time I remember seeing Bobby, he didn't even have his jaw anymore. Yeah. So, I, it, it's just really, um, uh, it's awful to think about the fact that uh, this guy that was known for his gift up gab had his gift up gab taken from him for the last well over a decade of his life, yeah. and he still like maintained pretty good spirits, man. Yeah. Well, it's like Roger Ebert. You know, if you've ever seen that documentary about Roger Ebert, like his living was that he talked about movies, yeah, and then he had that taken away from him, but he never lost his his upbeat outlook on on life. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I wanted to say that one of the things about Bobby is that I really liked his character, who he was as a person, because, like, for example, when he was in AWA and he left, he never once said anything bad about Vern. Same thing when he went to WCW. He never said anything bad about Vince. In and public, though, I'm talking about Vern anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think that that's one of the things. And then also, like, for example, like, he put over Goldberg a lot, you know, in WCW, and that's one of the things that he knew like, he had been in wrestling for such a long time that he knew the company needed someone like Goldberg to like really push and have him and you know bring him to light which he did you know so I liked the fact that he had this knowledge and that he had a good character of a person and kind of brought it in together yeah for yeah. me for me like I discovered pro wrestling when I was seven or eight I think yeah and I didn't know it existed until one day on a Sunday I was flipping through channels and I stopped on I saw Demolition. That was the first thing I ever saw in wrestling. I stopped on a channel and I was like, what is this? These guys with painted faces in a, in a big <laughs> crowd? Like, what is happening? And I just stopped and I watched it. And, you know, very shortly after that, I learned, like, oh, this is on a couple times a week. Oh, this is on Monday nights? I wasn't allowed to stay up that late, but I could watch the first hour of primetime wrestling. Yeah. So, like, my very formative, like, the first things I ever saw in pro wrestling was voiced by Bobby Heenan and Bobby Heenan was a big part of the on-screen experience. Like primetime wrestling for me is like one of the most iconic images I can think of of Bobby and Gorilla sitting yeah. side by side in that set and and it was just, you know, that's my childhood. And I even liked the 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 primetime wrestling with Vince. Yeah. Um uh Bobby Kurt Hennig and uh Roddy Piper. Yeah, the round table. Yeah, yeah man. that was good. I yeah. like Primetime Wrestling a lot. It was a cool format. Yes. Like maybe maybe they should if they were ever they're never gonna do it, but if they ever did an off season in WWE, that'd be the perfect way to do it is to bring back that sort of format and do clips and have people talk about stuff. Yeah. But uh but I, I that was my first exposure to Bobby and the only time I ever met him was after he had Stop speaking. His gotcha. wife had to translate for him, mm-hmm. so it was. It was. I'm glad that I got to meet him. He was the greatest at at, uh, at getting egg on his face. Yeah, you know that it was, he was always the butt of the joke. Exactly. <laughs> and like I'm, like as we're talking just a second ago, this vision uh, came through my head. This image of WrestleMania nine with him like on a camel. On camel you remember that? Oh, yeah, backwards. Yeah. yeah, it was just classic. Backwards Come on the camel, on, trying to ride out there. Yeah, so good. Yeah, and um, I, you know, going back f- further in his career into the AWA days and all that, like you know, um, he was a fantastic in-ring performer. You know, he wasn't the guy everyone was uh, picking to be the champion of, of the territory or anything. But mm-hmm. what he did inside the ring, I mean, it got incredible reactions. Have you seen any of that stuff? Yeah, like the weasel suit yeah, stuff yeah. with. You know, I hate to say his name, but Buck Rock and Roll Zumhoff. Right. Um, I think that's what uh, Triple H had said when uh, TMZ had caught him. He's like, he was not only was he a great uh, announcer, but as a wrestler, he was amazing. So they showed some clips. He of was, that. yes, and uh, and his interaction with his um, with the people he managed, I thought he was the best at. Like, uh, just and especially, I I I I didn't think that uh, a manager and wrestler uh, were any better together than uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Nick Bockwinkel yeah, as AWA World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. 
And and the great the, the amazing thing about the and I think I might have talked to you about this before is like you go back and look, you look at old like eighties seventies stuff. A lot of the times when a guy had a manager, the guy could talk really well for himself. But it's just like having that having Bobby also like Nick Bockwinkel's promos are amazing. Yes, he, he's one of the greatest talkers of all time. Maybe the most underrated I talker. I thought of all he time. was so intelligent that yeah. he must have had like all these degrees <laughs> and you know college degrees and everything. Yeah, and but Heenan just added so much more. Yep, and and it's just amazing. Like you go back and you look at all these old guys that that Heenan managed, and for the most part, most of them could talk for themselves, but no one could do what Bobby yes. did. See, he managed the Blackjacks, and, and Lanza and Mulligan could both talk just fine, yeah. especially Blackjack Mulligan. So, uh, yeah, that was... I wanted to try to get Jack Lanza on the show. Yeah. Um, he's 80-some years old now, and he's still sharp as a razor. So that Mulligan stuff, like that, so that means that talking must be hereditary then, because both of his... Uh, yeah, all of his right? kids can do it That's just right. fine. Yep. Do you think Bobby saw his career and was like, I could wrestle for this many years and probably be beaten up, or I could be a manager and have this long of a career and so much of an influence on wrestlers, and that's it why was, he went that route instead of that route? I just think that, you know, eventually his body started hurting him. You know, he started... I mean, he wasn't. it wasn't like he was an Adonis... And you no, know yeah. from, from 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 Jump Street, you know he was kind of not that wrestler. Uh, and, but he was a good hand, as well, you would say. Tremendous, beyond good hand. I mean, he was brilliant in, inside the ring. Uh, there's one clip I saw of him in the ring with with, with Hogan giving him a like a just a straight punch um, from St. Paul Civic Center, and just the way he. He went ass over tea kettle. I mean, his legs went over his head. It was amazing, and it, it's no uh, it's no surprise that like right after I met Bobby, he had a neck brace on uh, because he just you know had to have neck you know cervical fusion surgery. So because he just kept you know even into his man, managerial career, he would take some pretty uh, spectacular bumps. Oh yeah, you know he'd feed in at the right time, and boom, he you know. With people like Do Warrior yeah. doing things with sure. Warrior. Red Rooster, the Red Rooster match was always classic. And he comes out and he's got Andre the Giant singlet on. Yeah. That was so great. I really hope that Mattel, well, they have the rights they can make a Bobby Heenan. I don't know if they have the rights to Gorilla Monsoon, but I really hope we get a Mattel Bobby Heenan Gorilla yeah. Monsoon two pack. Like prime time. With, yeah. yeah, with like the prime time set you could build or and something. And just the, 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 the people that Heenan. Managed like yeah. Bachwinkle, Andre, like Haku, perfect. Even the like, Brainbusters, the Brainbusters, Barbarian, like yeah. Barbarian. I think is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Like that dude's amazing. Like if you go back and watch his stuff, like he's oh, Barbie. Yeah, when yeah. he first came in Florida, like I remember like his first TV match. He just like did this diving headbutt off the top rope to you know all the way across the ring onto this guy. Like if they had if they had when he split from the from the powers of pain. Yeah. If Vince had chosen to not dress him like that, like it's oh, possible. Oh, with that freaking whatever. The antlers, the right? Yeah. The antlers, antlers and the fur, yeah. right? Because yeah. he wanted him to look like an actual barbarian. Well, I mean, because you know, like in, in Tonga, they have tons of elk, tons of furry elk <laughs> right. and, and all that for them to <laughs> <Definitely>. kill. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're known for their uh, yeah. their venison. Exactly. In Tonga. It's so mm. great. And so, like, and, you know, Bobby, uh, I'm trying to think of other guys he managed. Harley that, Race, yeah, definitely, <laughs> yeah, King Harley Race. Yeah, I was uh, I was going through the you know WWE Network stuff, looking looking at all the different stuff he was involved in, and you know when I when I did the Bobby the Brain Heenan search, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, this I was scrolling down for like two minutes straight. Oh, uh, didn't he? Uh, wasn't he in charge of Hercules Hernandez when he first? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, WrestleMania three. Hercules Hernandez versus Billy Jack Haynes, Full Nelson versus Full Nelson yeah. challenge. That that's uh, that's also one of my very earliest memories of uh, pro wrestling is uh, Haynes getting the color yeah. and me being horrified seeing the. Did you remember when he? Threw he threw I was up? just gonna say uh, when he throws he up on him on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> he like puts him in the Full Nelson on the outside and he just throws yeah. up all over his back. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> poor guy. Oh, poor hey, guy. hey, it's. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were pissed at Bobby for this, but you know where I'm going with this one? Mm-hmm. When he uh, when he asked 
who side Hogan was oh, on right. when he came out for uh yeah he, when he blew it yeah oh yeah because <laughs> because they weren't no no one was wising up to it right yeah. he just guessed it yeah yeah because nobody smartened him up that's that's WCW's fault yeah. for not smartening him up yeah. Yeah. Should the do you, in your opinion should the announcers always be in on what's going to happen? I think so because it's way too important. They're the ones that are telling the story. They need to be in on it because they'll say they might say something. Because like Jim Ross says that it, it helps him to be spon- purely spontaneous into the moment and not know what's coming. Then probably I would go with what Jim says <laughs> because Jim's done a lot more play by play or color than I have. Got it. So. Do you do you have any in, in, insight on? Um, when Heenan retired from uh, managing to go into broadcasting in WWF, and then he brought in the coach to take over for him? The coach? Yeah. Which one was that? You, oh, you're talking about John Tolos. Yes. Yeah. No, but I know <laughs> that they ribbed John Tolos unmercifully in the <laughs> dressing room. And I can't remember why, but but Kurt would tell me about it. Yeah. Because coach didn't last long. No. I was one of the... Apparently, yeah. He didn't... He rubbed people the wrong way. I what guess. else was Tolos from, like... Was he a was he a manager elsewhere? Or? No, he was the Golden Greek. Him and his brother, they were uh-huh. you know Golden Greek John Tolos and Jimmy Tolos. I think that was his brother's name. Mm-hmm. They were big here in the um, in this in this territory. You know, from like the, the Ray Stevens, the Olympic, uh, and all that. Oh, okay, That's yeah, like the LaBelle promotion. Got it. So, uh, oh shit! No, I had a brain Sorry. fart. Go ahead, <laughs> keep on asking me stuff, Bill. I like that when you ask me stuff. Well. <laughs> when Bobby broke character on Nitro with Brian Pillman, that was like a big moment. Oh yeah, didn't he say that? He F-bomb? said the f word, yeah, yeah, because Pillman started like rubbing his shoulders and messing with him, and he didn't know what kind of yeah. character Brian Pillman was playing. And yeah, he said he didn't expect that. Yeah, something. And remember one time Gordon Sully got lost it on Bugsy McGraw one time. Bugsy oh, like, yeah, Bugsy comes out and like rubs his hair and messes his <laughs> hair all up and shit. Yeah, oh, Gordon was pissed. He was probably half drunk too. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, also Rick Rude, another guy that uh, right. Heenan had. Like he just basically like all the top heels that you could ever think of. Bobby Heenan had a hand. That's in, right. Uh, in their Buddy career. Rose, Campatera, Paul Orndorff, King Kong Bundy. Yeah, yeah Rude's, a, Rude's another dude who's a super underrated talker. Like that guy, man alive. Everything he did, he was great at. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get to work with him much? No, I didn't really know him that well because he left Minnesota before I I moved back there. And, and he had retired by the yeah, time we he all to we, had, we were all. Had close friends with each other, but we didn't know each other very well. Right. Yeah. And he was like always in the other company when you That's were. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So we were both DX and NWO, but we were, you know. Oh, he's the only other guy, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. We love you, Bobby. It sucks. So, um, anything else going on? Every heel commentator will always, you know, if you want to look in the books to see how you do it, you're going to look at Bobby. That's what you're going to do. I think that's what makes Corey Graves so good is because he's the midpoint between Bobby and Jesse. Like, yeah. he he has studied, it's clear he's studied both of them so intensely. He's but more, I don't he's see, more Jesse. like, I don't see, he's like, more Jesse than Bobby. No, you know? that, that's right. He, he's studying them both so intensely, but he's his own voice. But he, he takes his motivations from both of them. Yeah. yeah, he even put out a tweet, like, without him, there'd be no me. Yeah. And then Bobby Heenan, uh, uh, Paul Bearer, er, in the early days when he would be Percy Pringle, really copied Bobby Heenan with the blonde hair and the white suits. And then when he met him, he's like, don't copy me. He's like, why? He's like, because I'm bad enough. No one's <laughs> it's hard enough for me to get a job. Why do you want to be like me? You know? So it's yeah, just crazy like, to see all the influential managers. That there's not going to be any more. I mean, it's pretty much impossible for the most part for for there to be any more like Bobby, even close, because you know, obviously, uh, we don't really have that. Yeah. We don't cast those characters in wrestling anymore. That's really. what Enzo should be, man. Enzo yeah. should be a manager. That's that's yeah. just it. I he could see him. Manager. I could see him being like a modern day Captain Lou. Absolutely, yeah. Because Captain Lou played both sides of the coin too. Oh yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Enzo's even got looks as crazy as Captain Lou did. Yeah, and always on the bubble, just you know, right on the edge of getting fired. And, and <laughs> was Captain Lou always? In oh yeah, he got fired a bunch of times. Yeah, he'd get drunk around his mouth, and uh-huh. get fired, and then brought back the next day. Yeah. But Bobby was never in trouble like that, right? Never. never. He was always no. beloved. Right? Yeah. It was really sad though when he left WWF to go to uh, WCW. Was it purely like a money decision? It was. They didn't renew his contract. They were trying to get new blood in there, and you know, 
you know, remember right at that point they had Todd Pettengill and Sean Mooney, Sean Mooney, and you know, even they had Doc Kelly, Hendricks, Charlie Men. <laughs> was that the who was the like for the first you know half dozen or dozen episodes of Raw? They had some comedian who was in the third chair. Yeah, yeah, Rob something, right? Yeah, yeah he Didn't sucked. Work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but well, now I can't. He was like a, uh, a a New York radio personality as well. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, he but wasn't. Todd Pettengill did good. Yeah, I like Todd Pettengill. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. liked all. The, I like Pettengill, Mooney, and Kelly. Like I like. I think they're all good. Yeah. We love you, Bobby the Brain Heenan, the greatest of all time. Anybody else have anything to say? No. All right. It's a funky episode. That's so, and uh, with some uh, Twitter handles. Is there anything that Sean's doing in the next week or so? All right, cool. Yeah. Social media. I'm kind of, I'm going to Australia pretty soon. Cool. On uh, October twenty fourth, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Austin Aries is going. Uh, the headbangers. Rick, Ricochet. Brian Cage is going. Yeah, I saw the headbangers on there. Um, Zach Saber Jr. Do you want to talk about all the love you got from your bar wrestling performance? All these wrestlers that are like, holy shit, X-Pac can still go. And then Ricochet, and you're like, oh, yeah, I couldn't hold a candle to you. And he's like, what are you kidding me? Everyone. Brian Cage, Ricochet. It's not a, it's not, it's nice of him to, to put me over like that, but nobody can, nobody can do the things that Ricochet does. That guy's, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, that's crazy. And when I, at PWG, uh, you know, you have because you have guys like Cage going out there and doing on this high flying, and a, amazing. Brian Cage does shit I could never ever do in my entire life. No. So, um, so I thought it was kind of cool that um, Ricochet went out there and displayed some power moves <laughs> instead of just doing the high flying, and he did them well. That's one strong dude. Yeah. yeah, pound for pound as strong as anyone. Imagine if he'd never gone to Dragon Gate. And she and hadn't taught him about working out. Yeah, hadn't molded him into the way he. Well, is when now. he was on here, he said when he came on the show, he said that he got bigger because of his, uh, you know, because of his WWE tryout, and they kind of were telling him he needs to put on weight, and that's what made him. Well, bigger, but he had like when you watch like when he started out when he was yeah. nineteen, and him and Chuck Taylor were just wrestling each other in every promotion in the world. Skinniest kid, like back when he you know was in Jakara for yeah. a while, like. Just this real skinny kid, and it wasn't until he did he, Shima took him to Dragon Gate that he thought about building muscle mass at all. Right. So that that's really where he changed into like he started becoming modern Ricochet. Yeah, everything changed his look, his gear, yeah. all of it. Definitely. I love. I still love the stories about how Dragon Gate scouts people, and then they just want to see the move. They're like, show, show. Like we want to see your coolest move. Like they don't want to see a trial match. They just want to see your cool move. And if you have a cool enough move, they'll take you to Japan. Nice. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. That's when that's Ricochet's double moonsault got him to Japan. Huh. And that's why like, he, it got him there. And then while he was there, he he realized slowly, like, I don't have to do this anymore. And so he, he eventually stopped. Nice. Yeah, if you ask him, he's like, I don't do flips. I do suplexes. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, anyways, it was nice. It felt good. It felt good to everyone. Uh Thinks I can still go out there and do it. Are you are you gonna lock up with him when you go to Australia? I don't know. Possibly. I don't have I a put problem in the with word. It. I don't have of, a problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you and Cage against Ricochet and somebody. I know I'm gonna team with Austin Aries over there at one point. Nice. Ah, the Minnesota, the new Minnesota wrecking. Yeah, I just I think <laughs> I think we both requested it separately, so I think that's gonna happen. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, it felt great, Jimbo. It feels good. People putting uh, people saying I can still go do it. Um, it made me decide I'm just going to keep on wrestling as long as I feel like it, awesome. and I and I do feel like it. So that's that. And um, you know, uh, did I mention that I love Bobby the Brain Heenan? Yes. yes, you did. All right, then I guess that means that we can uh, do our our uh, obligatory pleasantries on the way out, <laughs> and then call this a wrap. All right. So Jimbo, follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the booth. You guys can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo. Uh, you can find me everywhere on social media at Sundown Motel. And please check out uh, withspandex.com, uprocks.com slash pro wrestling. Today we just dropped uh, the latest episode of McMahon Splaining, the With Spandex podcast. And it's a really cool May Young uh, special. Brandon Stroud got to go to the red carpet. So we've got interviews there with Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Candice LeRae, Mercedes Martinez, uh, Mauro Ranallo, uh, Charlotte Flair, Becky, uh, Becky Lynch. 
really, really amazing podcast, and uh, we hope you will enjoy it. Cool. Nice. Uh, you can follow us on everything on AfterBuzz TV, Twitter, The Real XPOC, Facebook. Uh, don't forget to sign up for the newsletter. Uh, Facebook is XPOC12360 Show. And then also IG, XPOC12360. Uh, iTunes, five stars. We don't want anything else. We do read all your comments on YouTube, so make sure to do all of that. Also, celebrityvm.com slash Sean Waltman to get all your customized, personalized, and unique videos and pro wrestling tees slash Sean Waltman as well to buy shirts there. And one last thing, there's a lot of uh, natural disasters that's been happening, earthquakes, hurricanes, etc. You can go, go to redcross.org slash disaster slash relief. And my name is TK Trinidad. You can find me on everything at TK Trinidad. Did I already... Do I need to give out my stuff too? I just gave oh, you just did it for me. Yeah. On Twitter at the real Xbox. She yeah. does your work for you. She's your mouthpiece. Love you, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Greatest of all time. Ever. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Sean Waltman, producers Jimbo Frank and TK Trinidad, managing producer of AfterBuzz TV Wrestling Mark Donica, and the entire XPOC 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow XPOC on Twitter at TheRealXPOC, and email us at XPOC12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!